Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 176. Bobby Ewing woke up and the whole thing was a dream. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. John Richards, do you actually set out to, to sound like like some sort of creepy dude when you say, yeah. hello, listener. Hello, listener. I'm going to do the whole show like this, actually. It's going to be like, yeah. And Comcast decided to set up a new distribution process for cable viewing. Oh. Oh, that's, I, I'm sitting way too close to John. That, that just <laughs> creeps me out. Maybe I need to go to another continent again. 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 Hey, you know, uh, well, firstly, box cutters, all about television, in case you didn't know. Uh, you know when uh, when when people go uh, overseas and they come back and they go, oh, I was overseas and therefore I must have brought you presents. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Sorry. Actually, no, I did. Oh, my God. Wait right there. <laughs> okay. What's he doing there, John? Give us a visual picture. Okay. For those of you not watching the video podcast, there is a, a white plastic bag. Mm, classy. And Josh is reaching in. Th- there is no video podcast. <laughs> we've, we've missed you. We've so missed you. There is no video podcast. Yes, because and it's uh, been unchallenged for the last three weeks. You'll see that this item... Was on clearance. Was on clearance. It's for Brett Cropley. <gasps> really? Oh, Ooh, it's a cap with... Oh, my God. Let me just make sure there's no... Uh... What does the oh, cap there say there, Brett Cropley? It's the girly show with Tracy Jordan cap. <gasps> now, let, wow. me, uh, let me take off the price. How <laughs> about I do that? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's actually. an official TGS Tracy Jordan cap. That's uh, that's for you, Brett Crowley. That is awesome. But Saw you didn't that. get to the taping of uh, of TGS with Tracy Jordan. No, no. Uh, all the standby tickets. The were curious gone for thing that. is, this is actually merchandise from a show that isn't real. So you actually went to an alternate universe, didn't you, for your yes. holiday? That's right. You yes, went. that's right. It's got that a real right. peacock on the back. And uh, for you, John Richards. Oh, well, I'm frightened. It's a t-shirt. It's a t-shirt <gasps> which says, "I." <laughs> it's an I heart toasters. I'm guessing. T-shirt. Yes. It's an eye and then a uh, like a Cylon visor and then a picture of a toaster. It's like a chevron. Be- it, because with a red glow in the middle. the humans called the Cylons. They did. And if, I, and if I could wear this eight episodes ago, I would. But, <laughs> but yes, I'll still wear it and pretend that it got cancelled during the writer's strike. Uh, yeah, because that last episode you didn't like. No, not keen. Right. Not keen. No. But never mind. They tried. And that's important. <laughs> Coming up on this episode of Box Cutters, really, I'm quite jet-lagged, but we do have the Bazura Project boys coming in to talk about their latest controversy. Mm-hmm. We've got... Uh, and I don't buy I it. I don't buy it. Uh, we don't have quotes. You said no quotes. No quotes this week. No quotes. But Brett Bre- Bre- will be week, thinking though. about them, though. He'll be thinking about them. We're going to be talking about... Being, being human, human, which we kind of promised about. Uh, we've actually had letters about being human, even though we didn't we'll get around to reviewing it. So yes. that's kind of. So yeah. we will be talking about it this week. Uh, there is also uh, some letters to box cutters and the return of the box cutters quiz. Mm. I know. But as always, let's kick things off with the box cutters news. Thank you. 
As is Boxcutter's tradition, we will start with the most depressing news first, which is, is what we like to do. Um, sadly, uh, singer and actor Andy Hallett died. Um, Andy Hallett, best known, of course, he from was the Angel. host in Angel. He played the host. Excellent character. And um, he was only 33, which just oh, must a bit terrifies me. Um, he had a heart condition and uh, died from congestive heart disease. Uh, essentially, he uh, had this heart condition. Uh, he was diagnosed with it towards the end of the run of Angel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, really hasn't done very much since then. Uh, apparently, Joss Whedon discovered Andy Hallett hosting a karaoke night. And went, well, he's perfect for the host of the karaoke night. Probably has his own machine and everything. He could bring the equipment. Probably. Uh, and uh, and also, where else is an actor with the uh, green skin and horns going to get cast? But in a Joss Whedon production, isn't it weird that Joss walked into that particular karaoke bar? Um, a little bit closer to home, unless you're listening overseas, in which case it's a little bit further away from home, depending on where you are. Peter Werrett uh, also died. Peter Werrett was a motoring journalist best known uh, for Talk T O R Q U E, I believe is the correct spelling, mm-hmm. which ran in the seventies. Was hugely popular. Sort of, I mean, he was a proto. Um, yeah, that thing that you love, which I've just forgotten the name of. Top Gear. <laughs> top Gear. Yes, it was a proto-Top Gear. He went on to uh, a series called Mark, M-A-R-Q-U-E, um, in which he travelled around the world. Uh, Mark, 100 Years of Motoring. Um, he did a very early documentary about uh, environmental pressures and, and energy resources called The Balance of Power. Um, a whole bunch of stuff. He was he was the brother of uh, Richard Werrett, the acclaimed uh, theatre director. There is there is that intriguing bit of the story that he spent the last few years living in a small country town as a woman, which is kind of just a fascinating little fill up there for a, but, but a woman. That. But a woman who loved cars. As a woman who loved cars. Yes. And so, yes, he died. I'm just trying to see what from. Uh, he was 72 uh, and died from cancer. So that is the depressing death part. Nobody, of nobody that dies story. from old age anymore. Well, I, there is a theory that because we're removing all the things that used to kill us, eventually, you know, nasties like cancer and stuff take those places. But right, yeah, that's not really about television. Speaking Brent, of cancer, got, potentially, yeah, you've got you've got more depressing news. Uh, Farrah Fawcett has been hospitalised and is uh, critical but stable in a Los Angeles area hospital. Uh, she's unconscious with her uh, longtime love, Ryan O'Neill, and. Her son Redmond uh, by her side. Um, it's not looking good for her. Farah is 62 and she was diagnosed with anal cancer in 2006. Um, was apparently what? cancer-free after that. Uh, but what? I was going, what's the difference between anal cancer and colon cancer? Would it be bowel just, cancer? Wouldn't we just say wouldn't, bowel wouldn't, yeah, or just Or just colon cancer or, you know, something to not make us think of her bum. Are there, are there, <laughs> are there just this many cancers well, in the world? This article says that it was anal cancer. Um it's not necessarily as as far in, I guess, as Colin. God, it's just turning into cancer review now, isn't it? <sighs> oh, anyway, do you, want, do you want me to look up the difference between no, anal, no, colon I and don't, cancers? I don't want you looking up anal cancer. <laughs> should I, should I, I move on to some happy news? Please to try and do brighten the, the mood, or is there anything else we we should cover on that story? No, that's it. No, uh, so, so I'll, I'll let you know more as things come. That's to hand. That, that is very sad. I think uh, one of the most recent things I saw Farrah Fawcett on was uh, an episode of. Uh, the Larry Sanders show. Oh, I, I don't while. know if she's done much since then. Um, although uh, Dave Letterman just a couple of weeks ago did say that he owed her uh, an apology after uh, the the non um, connection of uh, of Joaquin Phoenix. That he owed Farrah Fawcett an apology. Yeah, yeah. Because she the... was nowhere near as weird and, and kind of out of it as. 
as Joaquin was acting. So he kind of mocked her to mock someone else, and then she's ill and, oh, it's a depressing story all around. Okay, my happy bit of news, and linking back to Andy Held in a very odd way, Alison Hannigan has given birth to a human child. Not a witch. Not a witch. So um, Alison Hannigan, of course, famously Willow in Buffy, also in How I Met Your Mother. Um, She gave birth to a girl the other day with her husband, Alex Denisoff, who, again, she met on the set of Buffy, where he was playing... Wesley. Wesley. Um, their daughter is called Satyana Denisov, um, and she was born on March 24th, which is also Hallison's 35th birthday, which will make it quite easy to send cards to the Hannigan family, because you, yes. you'll be able to just write in one. Yeah, yeah. Just just do one card uh, and uh, and just put both ages and congratulations in hmm. there. Apparently, Alison's been craving meat, even though she's a strict vegetarian. I need to read this out, because I think as a, as a news program, we bring you the important hard-hitting <laughs> news. She said, I basically went from being a vegan to eating meat and cheese and ginger ale. I love ginger ale. Apparently my mum craved ginger ale when she was pregnant with me. Maybe it's a hereditary thing. I didn't eat any meat or cheese before. Now I have to. Thanks, Baking Showbiz, for bringing us that important news. Can I just say, there, there is no restrictions for vegans or vegetarians to drink ginger ale. Unless it's got beef in it. Unless, unless it's beef ginger ale. Or oh, yak ginger ale. Mm. Yeah. What else yeah. you got, Brent? Mm. Uh, SBS has uh, had a new board director appointed, uh, one Lenny Beretted Samuel, um, who has uh, made a bit of a statement being very clear about the role of the special broadcasting service, uh, saying that it's a multicultural radio and TV network that should serve Australia's diverse multilingual society and uh, not uh, English car show fans. Um, And uh, she's going to remind the board uh, once she gets in for a board meeting um, that uh, they are to serve the multicultural society. Okay. Um, I support that. She's already been uh, close to SBS as the head of its community advisory committee um, and says the board is has been keen to engage more with ethnic communities since the Rudd government was elected. But I guess uh, Sean Brown has been more uh, kind of looking at getting ratings up and getting advertisers on board, I figure. Yeah, the, the thing is, uh, it's, it's supposed to be a service rather than being a money-making machine. Mm. I think that's, uh, you know, we, we want more things in foreign languages. I, you know, a, a lot of people learnt to read by watching shows. On SBS. I made that up just now. But it was beautiful. I, I know, thanks. Speaking of television in other languages, and this is actually a weirdly depressing story, although kind of funny at the same time. Um, authorities have arrested the manager of an Afghanistan television station because um, he was allowing shows to go to air which had women's bare arms in them. Is this in, in Afghanistan? In Afghanistan. So they don't have the right to bear arms. Well, hey, yeah. I'm back, people. He's back. Emrose TV's Fahim Kadamani was arrested um, by authorities uh, for airing over- overly salacious content. Um, there's been a lot of pressure. The Taliban, of course, banned TV altogether. Since they were kind of ousted in 2001, TV's come back, but there's uh, it's it's been quite a dramatic thing in Afghanistan with the the conservative Muslim um, groups trying to keep various things off air and there's been a lot of argument between you know freedom of speech and and what's suitable under you know local kind of oh here we go the the the, the quote is airing prohibited and hypocritical anti-Islam programs and immoral scenes and movies it's very vague though what what you can and can't show in Afghanistan um, the government did try to ban some Indian soap operas 
from one of the other channels last year. And yeah, this poor gentleman's now been arrested for allowing, um, for not pixelating shots of bare arms. Apparently, most Afghanistan programs will show women only in uh, from the neck up, like neck and head, and they'll pixelate video clips and things like that from other countries. Right. So, but are you allowed to show their hands? Do you know? Do you, how much do you know about Afghani television well, rules? It, it, it prohibits media content that is not, quote, within the framework of Islam. Okay, now... That's I'm, pretty vague. I'm going to go out on a limb, no pun intended, and say, that sounds like censorship to me. It, it does sound a bit, and there is also a thought it might be, because apparently the Taliban and Taliban-type groups are having a resurgence again, um, that it's an attempt to stop them coming to more power by kind of... One wants to say kowtow, but it's not a word I've ever said before, so I'm not sure. You know, k- kowtow. To kowtow, kowtow, kowtow in there. to certain beliefs. But it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a weird story, and it is quite, I think, quite worrisome. I also, you know what, I can't support any regime that bans television entirely. Indian soap operas. I think, I think uh, you know, if, if a regime comes in and the only television they show is uh, horribly dictatorial and, uh, and, and propagandist television, that's still better than the no, no television at all. Because with no television, how are you going to enjoy box cutters? How true. But speaking of no television, uh, every week we like to tell you who's being fired and how <sighs> much. Yes. So this week's numbers are, roll that board number. <laughs> we should have like a, a chocolate oh, wheel kind oh, of sound that we could do for this. Okay, Canada. The CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Company, will cut 800 full-time jobs, which is 8% of its workforce. So um, there we go. Uh, they're cutting 400 jobs at CBC. Hey, <laughs> 330 at Radio Canada and another 70 corporate positions because it's important we keep those corporate positions because, <laughs> good Lord, yeah, they're important. And, uh, and hang on, let me roll the dice again. What do you got? Oh, it's come up. <laughs> TVNZ. Oh, what are, what are they doing? <laughs> TVNZ uh, are feeling the pinch, according to uh, the ABC News website. And uh, uh, people who have been in their positions for, for like 29 years have, uh, have had their jobs cut. Uh, 90 positions have been cut from TVNZ, which is, I believe, uh, 100% of their workforce. And finally, Channel... That's, uh, that's not true. It is 90, 90 people. <laughs> so I just believed you. So, I know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 90 people working at TVNZ. But it, uh, uh, it is... Uh, uh, yes, it, it is coming a lot closer to home. And finally, Channel 10 is losing money. How much money are they losing? Oh, hang on, hang on. Let me find out. <laughs> it is... $79.68 million. They lost that much money last financial year. Um, they that, are, that's just careless. According to this report, they are still Australia's third biggest commercial television broadcaster, which is a phrase that makes me laugh. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they remain the number one network in 16 to 39 demographics. Well, in, uh, in related ratings news, uh, Channel 7 have won the closest ratings week ever. With uh, 27.7% of uh, a primetime share. Really? There hasn't been a closer... There has, there's never been a tie? Uh, see, I would have thought there would be. Yeah. But uh, according to Mumbrella, which oh, is... Oh, stri- Mumbrella. Yeah, Mumbrella. How can we, how can we question Mumbrella? Sounds uh, like some sort of Christian parenting lobby to me. 
<laughs> sorry, sorry. When I say closest, I mean closest to 2009, not closest ever. Uh, this has become less a news story. So and when you more say closest a, ever, you mean I mean this year. This year, closest. It's the closest since I've returned from overseas. The closest in four months. Closest yes. in studying the sentence that you had at the beginning of that news story. 27.7% versus Channel 9's 27.4%. Channel 10, who are the... The third biggest commercial broadcaster in Australia. <laughs> had 23.3%, while ABC was 16.9%, and SBS, 47 Well, we're talking about Channel 7 and uh, Christian parenting groups. Again, week three, let's talk about lesbian kissing on Home and Away. Uh, oh, do we have to? Now, they wouldn't be happy about that. Week one, we can said... I, can I tell you, this was all, this, nothing but this story, <laughs> front page New York Times, I, I, the whole I, time I, I was there. It must have been hard to keep up with yeah, anything else. What about those wombats with mange? Now, week one, we reported that the Herald Sun went, shock, shock, they're teaching your kids how to be gay. Yeah, they did it four years ago in Neighbours, but we didn't bother mentioning that. Week two, I believe um, Brett Croppy brought in that that, uh, that Seven had caved and edited Home and Away. Week three, turns out Seven didn't edit Home and Away. It went away the way it was always going to go to air. They did film two lesbian kisses. They cut the second one, but they'd already decided to do that before the shock had happened. Apparently, there was one kiss followed by a full-on kiss. That was saved for Home and Away up late. <laughs> um, but also, uh, what's, what I find fascinating about this whole storm thing is that uh, Channel 7 received fewer than 30 telephone calls nationally after screening the controversial episode. Um, there was a kiss-off in Federation Square here in Melbourne in which 20 people turned up. And <laughs> <laughs> basically, <laughs> week three for me to tell you that nothing actually happened. Um, F- 50 people. 50 people cared enough about... Is that, That's what you're saying. 50 people cared enough about to, this kiss. To turn up for the, for the kissing or, no, or no. to complain? Oh, oh it was 30, both, 30 people complained. Pro and, con. Yeah, yeah, no, and 20 people turned up for the no, kissing. No, the 30 telephone calls isn't 30 complaints. That's the amount of telephone calls. Half of those were positive. Right. <laughs> so, so, so still, 50 people cared enough. Enough to bother. Yeah. Um, the, there was an interview given to, and of course, uh, this is where using paper goes wrong because suddenly I can't find the second half of my story. Mm-mm. Oh, it's good though. Um, there was an interview given to the website Same Same by Bevan Lee, who's the creative drama, uh, head of creative drama and development at Seven, um, who basically said, yeah, that it was a, a, a beautiful six-week story that had been reduced to a facile argument about six missing seconds of screen time and the bulk of cons- commentators, both conservative and liberal, are making pronouncements on story material they know nothing of. <laughs> I would like to say, me too, because I didn't bother watching it. Well, who would? It's time and away. Now, talking of TV that uh, no, nobody bothers watching. Yes. Uh, James Matheson has quit as the host of Australian Idol. Is that still going? Uh, apparently so. Uh, he said that uh, he craved anonymity and a more unstructured lifestyle and was uh, a little bit sick of being that guy from that thing. Uh <laughs> Uh, he says uh, music's his main interest at the moment, uh, being the guitarist in the band The Punishers, with a Z, um, and uh, says, I'm not going to be on TV for a while now, not dancing with the stars or anything like that. I just want to explore other music opportunities while I'm here in New York and at home. Yeah, good luck with that, Keanu Reeves. Um, Channel 10 says that it's confident that Andrew G can host Australian Idol on his own and uh, they because won't he did be so seeking well a replacement that. for Matheson. Um, well, wasn't, uh, wasn't one of the ex-contestants uh, also co-host last year? Uh, or was she uh, just she's doing a, special I think a, yeah, a, a back, a back backstage. Comments. Yeah. 
I think that was it. Which and, one was uh, that? I don't know. It didn't go very well for them. Uh, oh, really? Andrew G, not the most charismatic host uh, on, uh, on on television. What he, are you talking about? He hosted that uh, game show. Yeah, now I'm trying to think of it. It wasn't Shafted. No, <laughs> it, was, uh, it, sa- sounded, it was something like Shafted, though. Uh, terrible, terrible game show. Yeah. Not very good. Uh, James, James Matheson is actually the charismatic one of the of the two, and uh, and he's gone off to to be Keanu Reeves. He so. uh, he got that position after uh, winning the pay TV reality show, the twenty dollar challenge in two thousand. I thought he'd been around for a little bit longer than that. I thought he was. Uh, oh, I know that show. Now I, now it all yeah. comes together. Because well, yeah. they were on VH1 together, weren't they? As uh, as co-hosts, and then uh, and then they went on. You're to... the former owner of Foxtel, so well, well just... on the payroll. <laughs> right, work? I, I, I forget you know now. What? It's been so long since you've been in the studio and talked to us about it. I get mixed up with all my former jobs. I think and I can, I can see some of our guests wandering around the studio, so I'm going to run out and grab them um, in a moment before they get lost. Yeah, fair oh, enough. we've still got more news, but we do oh, have news. Um, the nominees for the Logies, Australia's premier um, award ceremony for television. Yeah, let's call it that. Australia's third, biggest. <laughs> third biggest television. They're out. I didn't bother looking at them. I've got them printed here. I see Dog Stars up for Most Outstanding Children's Program, which, of course, we interviewed Doug McLeod last week, who was, was one of the creators of that. And it's a top little so, so, hang on. I mentioned Keanu Reeves in, in relation to his attempt at, uh, at having a rock and roll band. And then you mention that Dog, Dog Star. Star is up for a Logie. Yeah. Josh. I hope you haven't just killed Keanu Reeves. I don't think I I'm have. I'm kind of hoping you have. Um, oh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, Channel 7 are raging at uh, being snubbed for their top stars getting the gold Logie nods, um, such as they haven't had uh, uh, nominations for Andrew O'Keefe, Sonia Kruger, or Daniel McPherson. And uh, I think the only one is... Uh, Jade. No. No, sorry, that was Channel Nine. Somebody from uh, McLeod's daughters oh. got up ahead of them. Well, if uh, you know, if they want Sonia Kruger to get a gold logie, maybe they should give her a hosting role. I also see from this says there's no nomination for the Bazura Project, which we can talk to them about that a yes. bit later on, and oh, in weeks to come. And connected to it, um, TV Fugly Awards, which are always held in conjunction with the Logies. Um, by Anthony Deva. He's decided to, um, to, to pack it in. Anthony uh, Deva, or Deva um, used to turn up in Melbourne with a milk crate, stand on it with a brown carpet near the red carpet and award them out to, uh, to people he thought were, were you know, needing awards. Uh, people like Richard Wilkins tended to win a lot. And there was an award called the Eddie for the most overexposed personality. Um, he's decided to, yeah, pack it in, and he told, I think this may actually may have been told TV Tonight, and I'm reading off a scrap of paper I ripped out of The Age while in a cafe. Um, Even though the TV Fugly Awards were unsuccessful on every level, we are keen to move into other projects of higher satirical worth, like running a fake Richard Wilkins account on Twitter, or standing in the background of Sunrise, waving at the camera whenever we are in shock. (laughs) I think I I read somewhere that uh, he was a little bit uh, over doing the same joke for seven years running. Right. Well, that also makes sense. Mm. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, I'm Adam Zouar. You might recognise my voice from ads for Ford, Australia Post and HBA. Or maybe from the phone calls I make to your house late at night. That's right. I make phone calls to your house late at night. I'm Adam Zouar. And you're listening to Box Cutters. And joining us now in the Box Cutters studio, we have... Some people just know them as the boys from the Bazura Project. I like to think of them individually as Lee Zachariah and Sharon Marinko. Shannon. Sharon's say better. Sharon. Sharon's better. Oh, Sharon see, doesn't mind whatever you call him. You know what? No. Long day. Can we call you Shazza? 
Uh, I would prefer Shazza, but Sharon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so let me try that again. Lee Zachariah and yes. Shazza Meza from the Bazaar Project. I'm leaving. This is so <laughs> unprofessional. Lee Zachariah actually sounds like a 70s science fiction novel, doesn't it? Thank you. It took me a while to pick it. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> nice work. Uh, gentlemen, you have been the subject of some controversy of late. Even controversy. Goodness. Both both of them. Both we, this once. is the first we've heard of this, I'm right. afraid. Yeah. Well, rumour has it that uh, you wanted to uh, be well, nominated. Actually, we have a sound clip from, oh, do we? from their most recent TV appearance. That would be on Media Watch. Can we, can we hear that first? No. Let's cheer ourselves up. Those two deliciously daggy gentlemen are Shannon Marinko, the tall one, and Lee Zachariah, the short one. They're the writers, directors and stars of a bizarre show about the movies that's become cult viewing on community television in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Adelaide. It's called, don't ask me why, The Bazura Project. Welcome to the Bazura Project. And just a warning to all the ladies in the first five rows, you will get wet. (laughs) Of course, the show's ratings are tiny by mainstream standards, but for community TV, it's a hit. Two weeks ago, it won the Antenna Award for Best Arts Programme on Community Television. But the Bazura Project's creators want to reach for the stars. The 51st TV Week Logie Awards. Vote now. That's right, they dreamt of winning a Logie or at least of a Logie nomination. Not in the most popular categories which TV Week readers vote for, but for... Most Outstanding Comedy Programme. Which is chosen by a judging panel. So last September, Shannon Marinko phoned TV Week and asked for a copy of the rules. TV Week's Logie's Award Manager, Kate Carpenter, obliged, but with this put-down. Given your audience numbers, it is unlikely that Channel 31 programmes would be considered. Mr Marinko is not easily discouraged. He wrote back... In a year when there's no Chaser, no Kath and Kim and no Chris Lilly, not in your own I voice. reckon we're half I'm a very chance nasal, for a nomination. <laughs> but TV Week's attitude was hardening. As TV Week does not cover community television within the magazine, we are unable to consider individual programmes on this platform for the TV Week Logie Awards. Well, Shannon Marinko wasn't having that. He keeps calling you Shannon. He responded, <laughs> I'm sorry to get picked. He's misinformed. But there's nothing in the Sharon, rules Sharon. that state that a program is only eligible him, if it receives coverage within TV Week magazine. According to TV Week's rules, he pointed out, nomination was open to any... Comedy program or series televised <laughs> on any free-to-air or subscription <laughs> TV mine. network oh, yeah, sorry, in then. the year 2008. It looked like a powerful shot. But Ms Carpenter promptly moved the goalposts. Acceptance of the network's candidates are based on ratings, popularity, likelihood of receiving a nomination and TV Week's expert opinion. But Shannon Marinko is one of those blokes who just keeps on coming. What sort of expert opinion, he asked the same day, can dismiss a show without even seeing it? And lastly, Check what's mate. the harm? <laughs> of course, I don't expect to win. I'm not that delusional. I just think we're as funny as anything on Australian TV this year. So we'd still like to submit our show for consideration. He was met with silence. 
Two weeks ago, he tried yet again and got this. As explained in January, TV Week's decision is to not accept submissions from Community I can't TV. can't for that tone. Which means <laughs> Lee Zachariah and Shannon Marinko won't be walking the red carpet at Melbourne's Crown Casino in May. Which I reckon's a pity. They might have livened up the show. Well, uh... Lee and Shannon, thanks very much for uh, joining us on Boxcars. <laughs> no, uh, no worries. It was, it was a pleasure such... to come in. I, I, I like the Russian doll aspect to hearing our show played on Media Watch, played on Boxcutters. Could we have a clip of this program to play on something else later? What, what we'll actually do is now a commentary track to go on the top of that. That would be great. Could, yeah. It is actually, we've never just played an episode of Media Watch. <laughs> as, as I'll, but it works for a great 15-minute filler. I, I also didn't know that Media Watch did happy stories at the end. It's like really odd to kind of have the good news story on Media yes. Watch. Well, and it's, it's not and a good news story. now on the side. <laughs> Listening to that story played out, I got really angry. Good. Because h- how dare they? Also, Kate not- Calvert is such a bitch. I mean, the way, yes. she, the way she says that stuff. <laughs> that I actually got really happy because I already knew the story and I was just sitting there going, Jonathan Holmes said my name twice. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. But he kept calling Sharon Shannon. So that's. Yeah. Uh, oh, well. that's At least they point. used my, my proper voice. That was good. Yeah. Uh, but the, the thing is, so. TV Week's whole uh, argument against allowing the Bazura Project a nomination is that they are journalistically incapable of covering television as a whole. <laughs> well, it, was, it wasn't even uh, allowing us to get a nomination. It was just allowing us to submit. They just wouldn't even let us submit. That was uh, an entry. That was the big thing. I just wanted to be able to submit an entry. And, right. You know, in, in all honesty, uh, or what the best the best bet, what they should have done, and said, yes, we'd welcome your entry, taken it, thrown it in the bin. And ignored you. And, yeah. then, and then sent a letter, you know, a month later saying, we regret to inform you that you were not successful. And I would yeah. have accepted it. I would have been pissed, but I would have accepted it. And that would have been the end of it. But she's got to make up all this stuff. And... Now, there has been a weird kind of media, you know, so, well, one wants to say storm. I don't know if that's the right word or Nothing. not. A light shower. Drizzle. Yeah. <laughs> there's, been, there's been a media drizzle about this story, though, hasn't there? When you guys have been doing a bunch of interviews mm-hmm. off the back of this. Mm. Uh, so we're not specialists. So we're saying? not special. No. No, you're real late, actually, yeah, <laughs> if anything. We yeah. actually wanted to get you to talk about your TV show, and then this happened. <laughs> um, I mean, did it, did it change anything? Did you ever get any feedback from anyone at TV Week? Did you hear about any you know, behind-closed-doors, West Wing-esque kind of discussions going on? That would have been nice. Um, no, there's there's been no official response, uh, as far as I know, from TV Week. Um, I know one story, uh, one interview that I gave, they actually tried to contact um, Kate Carpenter, the TV Week Logie representative, uh, to get her side of the story for a balanced report. And... Um, no, they couldn't. Uh, they didn't get anything from her. So oh, we we haven't even tried to contact her. So <laughs> we didn't even bother. She's disappeared into the ether. I think she's uh, maybe she's like Kaiser Soze. She's original. <laughs> she's James Packer or something. I'm not sure. And incidentally, should, shouldn't there really be a sitcom with the two people who do the voiceovers for for Media Watch have to share a flat together? That'd be great. Oh, hilarity ensues. Hilarity. Would it, that's what it's called. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, I think it would be called hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. Now, tell us, for, for those who actually haven't seen the show, um, The Bizarro Project, what is it? Who are you? What do you do? Why are you here? 
Well, I can't imagine there are many people who haven't seen the show. I mean, let's, have you seen our, our figures that, that we made up? Um, our figure, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen my figure? Uh, yes, it, it's basically a movie show uh, that isn't just reviews, it's news. Uh, we have feature stories on various things. You know, have you ever wondered why... God, I can't actually remember any of the things we covered, but really interesting things. And uh, <laughs> we had interviews Take our and word so on. For it, yeah. yeah, trust me on that. Um, so basically, I mean, basically, the you can describe it like you know, Top Gear or something, but for movies. And you're on Channel Thirty One, which um, yeah is, is community television, and therefore yeah beneath the contempt of TV Week. <laughs> um, but the thing about the show that, that's fascinating is that you would start EG every episode. Um, I mean, uh, this is not some cheap thing of, you know, the, the two of you sitting in the studio and just chatting. There's a lot of effort goes in these programs and these particular incredibly... Um, We've got them fooled. <laughs> a- ambitious opening sequences that parody movies. And by the time you got to, I think, season three, you did a Lord of the Rings parody, which had tracking shots and, and children and horses and costumes. And, and this is all for free television. Why? Why would you do this? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> We're certainly not getting anything out of it. Um, I don't know. Just to amuse ourselves, no, really. Because uh, we can. Yeah, they said, no. yeah, because we can. Yeah, I, I wonder if we can do this. And, uh, yeah, let's see if we can. We uh, Can we get a DeLorean? That would be so cool. Then mm. we could do Back to the Future. And sure enough, we can get a DeLorean. So let's do Back to the Future. And Oh, there's a horse and cart. You know, we've got to do Lord of the Rings. So, so was it, sometimes it's really just finding the props first encourages the... Well, y- yes and no. I mean, the, the, the horse and cart was actually weeks and weeks of searching because we wanted to do Lord of the Rings because we did do, you know, Back to the Future at the end of season two and everyone was like, oh, that, that's great. You'll never top that. And we were like, okay, well, if we're never going to top that, let's just go big, as big as we can. And, um, but, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the time it was just, you know, can we do this? No. All right, let's do it. Mm-hmm. How, 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 did, how do you afford to, to do that. I mean, it's, I've worked on uh, on Channel 31 shows. John's worked on Channel 31 shows. Uh, Brett watches Channel 31. And, uh, <laughs> I've and, been on some. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, uh, mm. that's true. He can count uh, to 31. <laughs> and, uh, and never any budget at all. Uh, so, so how did you actually afford to do all that? There's this amazing thing called credit cards. I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure if you're aware of them. They're a new thing. All the kids are into them. And uh, identity theft. That's, yeah, identity uh, that, theft. That goes... No, it's know. just... It's, it's really, you know, you call around and sometimes you will have to pay a fee to hire something. But, you know, the guy who owns the DeLorean, he was just... He turned out to be the nicest guy in the world mm. and was willing to come down whenever we wanted and, and you know, just shoot all those, you know, this extraordinary number of scenes and days we needed him for. And most of the time it's just, you know, can we pull in this favour? Can we do that? If not, we do dip into the bank account and, yeah, and ruin ourselves. Mm-hmm. It, it, it does feel like the Bazira Project was a, a labour of love. Like, you know, you, you might go, oh, they're, they're doing it because then they want to, you know, go on to you know, cable or whatever. But you did three series, which seems to indicate that there was more than that. I mean, is that really the two of you just really wanted to, to make this show, to put on a show? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was, I'd desca- describe it more of a, as a labour of lust. I think uh, that's that's probably a bit a bit more closer to the way we operate. Yeah, uh, you, you did it to get chicks. <laughs> oh God, I didn't even think of that. Jeez, <laughs> no, can we start again? Yeah, let's, <laughs> season one. All right. No, um, 
No, it was uh, – well, given we haven't got on commercial network or cable, we can now say we just did it for the love. We never wanted to. Uh, you know, yeah. they offered us and we turned them down. No, it was um, – Certainly, that's that's how we started. But the the further we went, uh, I think season three was really. It had been a year since we'd done season two, and we thought it's really, really impossible for us to get back, get everyone back together, do the show again. And that was almost the impetus for for trying to do it again. Is that it really seemed impossible, and we we sort of wanted to prove that we could. Mm. And we love movies. And has there been interest though? Did you get interest from other networks or? No, we um, uh, we initially made a pilot at the end of 2006 before we went to 31, and we uh, no, the end of 2005 it was, mm. and we shot that around for a year to yeah, commercial TV, uh, cable TV, everybody, and got knockback from everybody, um, and then sort of almost as a laugh, it was like, well, let's just take it to 31 and see if we're actually on the right track. Is the show any good or whatever? And we sent it to them, and uh, they sent us yes, they said come in, and they well, we love it. Can you start in like two weeks? Um, for 13 episodes or 11 episodes well geez okay so then we just shot week to week ever since um, after the after the second season I think we shopped it around again again to all the commercial TV and cable uh, channels and got donuts um, yeah so everybody yeah so there's people certainly there's an enormous amount of staff turnover in, in networks it was all that was that's one of the worst things about it it's like oh we sent you our proposal uh, a week ago oh that guy doesn't work here anymore can you send it again I'm serious it would happen repeatedly it's it's just amazing so but does no. that mean you can actually send in the same proposal every two months and, and we pretty eventually much did. somebody should pick it up? <laughs> we really did. What we didn't think of doing is saying, yeah, you guys gave us the green light last <laughs> week. Yeah. Uh, where, where should we pick up our check? Mm. Yeah. But that's always the previous guy. And they're now deliberately not doing any of his stuff because... Yeah, there's that as well. No. You just can't win. No. I'm amazed, though, that... Uh, that I, I mean, obviously, networks are, by the very nature, conservative. But a show that uh, shows as as much promise and uh, and uh, I mean everybody talks about Rove McManus coming from Channel Thirty One. I would have thought everyone's trying to get the next one. Well, there's a lot of there is yeah, some poaching from Thirty One, like uh, yeah, Vasily. Um, who has his gardening show, Vasily's Garden and on he, 31. Oh, he, went he went back. He went well, back that's it. Yeah, he went back, um, which is yeah, a very bold move. I don't know. What, I don't like the money. I'm much, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do this for a living. I want to do it as a hobby. Yeah. Um, uh, Salam Cafe. They yeah, were, they were yep. on 31. They're now on SBS, I think. Um, mm. And, of course, Hamish and Andy and a few of the others. So they're, they're definitely the networks have definitely sort of got their eye out there. But it's, uh, I don't know, maybe we're just too wacky. Well, yeah. Well, well, I, maybe Marinko just isn't an ethnic enough name. That's it. <laughs> Marinko El Hamad. I think that's, yeah, we would have been in. As well as the, as the movie show. And actually, I should point out, you had amazingly, you know, uh, guests. It, it seemed to be that, that you know, because we scraped the barrel. But you guys. <laughs> we can tell. Right? Exhibit yeah. A. Yeah. Um, I mean, was it hard? Because my experience with Channel 31 was simply by having a camera, you seem to be able to get anyone. You know, like people mock <laughs> Channel 31 for going, no one watches it. But on the well, they should. No. But it's still television. So mm. here, have everyone, you know. Yeah. And I mean, you guys had uh, Danny Boyle, um, Dr. George Miller, Chris Noonan. I mean, uh, Gillian Armstrong. All these people would go on to to talk. Was it ever... And was it hard to get these guests, or was it just they would come to you? So, sometimes it was. I mean, when we, it all depends on who's doing publicity tours, and we we sort of knew all the movie publicists. So if someone was coming out, most of the time we'd be able to get 
somebody really good. And then, of course, there'd be no one coming out in the week where you have another interview. So you're desperately phoning up agents and chasing down people and hoping to God that someone will talk to you. But, um, but yeah, we, we did. We had a lot of luck with a lot of guests, and um, yeah, and and we we actually benefited them. I don't know if you realise this, but in season one, you know, we talked to George Miller, and he won an Oscar. In season two, we talked to Danny Boyle, and he won an Oscar. And uh, so, who did we speak to in season three? Uh, Stephen Burkoff, yes. I think, <laughs> is uh, will be next. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Stephen Burkoff for an Oscar. So uh, mark that down on your list. Yeah, you heard it here first. You also did other projects as well. Um, what were some of the other things you, you, you did for Channel 31? Uh, outside of Bazura, it was, uh, we basically did uh, an election special uh, that was on the eve of the, uh, the federal election in 2007, which is sort of like an hour-long Bazura project, but for politics instead of movies. And the exact same jokes. Yeah, exact same jokes. <laughs> Different audience. Yeah. Uh, and instead, all- of John How- instead of Harvey Weinstein, it was John Howard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we just copied and pasted. <laughs> and uh, then we hosted, uh, 31 wanted us to host a bunch of cult movies that were on Saturday nights. And so we just did uh, four to five minute intros for each one for about 26 weeks. Now, that was quite cool. And am I right in thinking this was basically um, Bazero Project present out of copyright movies? Exactly. Very good. Right. Yes. Public yes. domain movies. That said, 31 has, a, has a quite a big library of public domain movies. And they said, you know, choose which ones you want and, uh, yeah, and do, and do some introductions and get all I, I up Hutchinson. Yeah. I was pondering something similar and then discovered you guys had already done it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And we've done all the good ones too because uh, we ran out of titles we wanted to introduce and that was why it stopped. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of Roy Rogers actually and there was, there's about a dozen Roy Rogers pictures. So there you go. If you want to do a Roy, a Roy Rogers retrospective. It's just curious you do, you do love Trigger. There we are. Give you do love Trigger. So Hercules Against the Moon Men was one of the actual good titles. <laughs> yeah, don't dispute Hercules uh, versus the Moon Men. My God. That's genius. What else is on that list? Because uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of public domain films. Uh, 49th Parallel is probably one of the one of the, the best. That's some Hitchcock. There's a lot of yeah. Hitchcock, actually. Yeah, what was that? A Secret Agent and Murder. And I think a couple of others were in there. So we, we did have some really good stuff. Mm. So what now for the Bazaar Project? What, where are you going to go? Because the thing is, you've got a, a successful show that people like when it's contained within community television <laughs> and, uh, and, and nobody else wants you but you're doing good work, what do you do with that? Um, we, uh, we wait till all... Uh, this is, that's the, the worst thing about all this Media Watch stuff is that I'm so dark at myself that I didn't come up with it like a year or two ago when we still had the show running <laughs> and then we would have like ridden this, this wave and we would have ridden straight into the networks. It would have been great. And as soon as the show's over, it's, uh, yeah, we get, we're at our most uh, popular when the show's been over for, what, six months. <laughs> so, yeah, nice timing, Sharon. <laughs> yeah, on your shazza. Uh, so... Uh, I mean, I know that uh, Josie Pirelli, who's a, a, a friend of Box Cutters, released uh, Chart Busting Eighties on DVD. Is Bazaar Project going to come out on DVD? It would. I would. I would love it. I would love to do it. Yeah, it would be great. Unfortunately, whoever is the sucker who's going to bring that out is going to be up to their ears in copyrighted music material. Um, that was the best thing about having a show on Thirty One. Obviously, they got the APRA agreement and all the rest of it. Oh, so yes. we just went nuts. We you know paid no heed to what piece of music. Oh, and a lot had to do with the film scores and stuff that you know we'd be parodying and all the rest of it. So. 
geez, if we brought it out, oh, it would cost a mint. But it would still mm. be doable, Madman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, <laughs> also, at the moment, I believe everything you ever did is, is on your website and viewable yeah. for yeah. free. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, but that's completely legal as far as, I'm, as, far as I know. <laughs> cut his mic, cut his mic. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, and, and also, uh, if people go onto the Bazaar Project website, which is at bazaaproject.com, uh, they can also get a free Bazaar Project cap. Which I think is is fantastic, out of uh, out of your own pockets. Yes, um, with every purchase of twenty five dollar post pack. Yeah, it's a free cap with every yeah, purchase of twenty five dollar post. <laughs> I, I like that joke. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you can I, use that. Do you have box cutters gear? Uh, you know what? We're supposed to, uh, but we, uh, we we don't. There's so been, let, let, been let, talk. Let, let me speak to you about who made your caps afterwards. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> we don't want to give them a plug on air. No, I had to pay for the caps. No, let's not give. Yeah, them no, let's <laughs> let's not give them a plug. Uh, so. You've won antenna awards. You've paid for all of this. Uh, all of this had paid for antenna awards. <laughs> you paid for antenna awards. <laughs> had to come out sooner or later. Yeah. Tell, tell us about Channel Thirty One and public broadcasting. I mean, obviously, we record box cutters in in Triple R, which is is the world's greatest radio station. It's a community it's radio true. station. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and we love them very much. Um, Triple R kind of you know there's, there's respect for for community radio there's there's and there's there's often I think a, a sort of career path people can see through it but there's also just a for the love of music people do it as well. Channel Thirty One I mean wh- what is it I mean what are the the pros and the cons and and where do you think it will go? Well I think I think for people going on Channel Thirty One uh, like like you say everybody says Rove came from Channel Thirty One and so. Uh, people sort of reverse engineer that to if I go on Channel 31, I will be the next Rove. So I think most of the people who go on are probably looking for a career path like that. Uh, but, well, most is unfair. I th- I'd say a lot, but and the rest of them just want an outlet for... Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. There, I mean, there are, there are some amazing shows on there that would, you know, everyone says, oh, SBS has a lot of alternative stuff, and, and they do, but if you want really alternative stuff, mm-hmm. you've really got to go to 31 because, you know, there's a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of stuff on there that would never get played anywhere else. And they're doing it for the love of it. Yeah, they mm. really are. It's, it's purely, you know, obviously they're not getting money for it. You know, uh, very, very few of the shows have sponsorship you know, to actually fund their own programs. So, yeah, they're just doing it for the love of it. They just they grab a camera, they've got their idea with, that they think is gangbusters and who cares if anybody else does or not. And uh, 31 said, yes, let's go, let's put it on. And it's, uh, yeah, it's an incredible outlet and it would be a shame if it, if it disappears in the next uh, couple of years when everything goes digital. And the, uh, the, the other thing about uh, Bazaar Project as well is a lot of people think about uh, Channel 31 as just being... Uh, Cheap and nasty television, very badly shot. Very, but the, the my pa- ears are burning. <laughs> the, the parodies that you did were uh, extraordinary, and uh, and I think a, l- a lot of people don't really uh, understand that the people who are making television on Thirty One are a learning as they go, and b uh, using their limited budgets to come up with uh, amazing techniques to to make things look as as good as they can, uh, which I, th- I think is, is something that Bazura Project did very well. Jeez, well, well it come, yeah, it comes back just to the labour of love. I mean, we'd be sort of doing this stuff, I think, even if it wasn't going to air. I mean, if you had a good idea, oh, if yeah, if someone had access to a DeLorean, we'd be doing, you know, uh, a DeLorean short film somehow, you know, because it was just, it'd just be too cool not to. Yep. So you know, this is sort of it's it's a nice excuse to to play dress ups every week and you know pick out a favourite movie of of yours and go, oh yeah, we're gonna do that scene. Let's do train spotting. Oh, that would be so cool. And you know, yeah. Did you ever get much feedback from it? 
and 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 yeah, it's just oddly enough, the the first week I, I moved to London, um, I went to a bar and this guy went, "Oh, I know you." And I went, "No, you don't." He went, "No, I know you. You're on Channel Thirty One." I went, "Yeah, I am. That's weird." <laughs> um, so, uh, did you ever get, you know, do you get stopped in the street? Did you get fan mail? Was it? We did. Uh, we we do sometimes. Uh, How many I mean, times have you been stopped? A I've, fair few. I've been stopped four times. I can. Yeah. I actually can count it on. <laughs> One hand, yeah, <laughs> four times. I think Rove McManus has the same thing. Yeah. Four. <laughs> there, there was one great one where we were doing uh, on the town, so we're both dressed up as sailors, singing uh, Melbourne, Melbourne, and this guy comes up to us. It's like the middle of the morning. We've been up all the night preparing it, and we're dressed as sailors down near Crown, you know, dancing on the side of the Yarra. And this guy comes up and I think offered us some advice about our show. That's so, right, he did. Yeah, yeah, you should interview these guys. But yeah, uh, good, good show, fellas. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> strange man. And then he was gone. Yeah. Well, uh, Lee Zachariah and Shannon. Don't, don't try and play catch up now. You've, you've lost it. All credibility's been lost, so you may as well just go with it. All right, Lee Zachariah and Shazza Mazza from the Bazura Project. Thanks so much for joining us on, on Box Cutters. We look forward to whatever it is that you do next uh, and, uh, and uh, hope that uh, TV Week will one day see the error. <laughs> Of their ways. Well, that's the gold standard. Yeah. yeah. Hold your breath. <laughs> Good evening, viewers. This is Sandra Sultry. I've been playing with my box on the box cutters. Being Human is a UK comedy series. I think Being Human's a universal condition. Really? <laughs> uh, the, uh, the former lead singer of uh, In Excess would have you believe that sometimes we're being human and sometimes we're human beings. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he. Uh, that's a long story and uh, and long time ago. But being human, uh, it's a UK comedy series uh, that is uh, essentially uh, kind of a, a new look at the lives of ghosts, vampires, and werewolves together. In, uh, t- together at last, sharing a house. Yeah. Walking into a bar. Hilarity ensues. Uh, I must admit, when, when it was first advertised, cause it was written by Toby... Um, McGuire? Uh, Toby uh, Sullivan. Withhouse, who wrote the truly execrable Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. That, oh, um, oh, it it, it kind of sounded oh. like it was going to be a sitcom. It was, yeah, it was, it was a, a werewolf, a, a vampire, and a ghost share a flat. You assume sitcom. But no, it's, it's more in your kind of Buffy realm of, of character-based supernatural... Yeah, no... no uh, Overly annoying characters, and, and I, I think when you're starting with a, a, a kind of the level of gimme gimme gimme, <laughs> yes, uh, you know you can have annoying characters and they seem quite normal. So, so basically, so the plot in a nutshell: you've got um, the and I'm going completely blank with character names now. Let me just check my bits of paper. Mitchell is a vampire, mm-hmm. and with his friend George, who is a werewolf. They move into a house in Bristol to discover that the previous occupant who died there is still living there. Um, well, or not. Or not living there. She's residing un- there. She's unliving there. She's unliving there in the unliving room. And they can, um, <laughs> they, they, they can see her because being sort of supernatural uh, figures apparently can all kind of detect each other as a sort of gaydar. And 
and then so it starts off kind of this yeah quite whimsical series about three of them getting along you know um and then it gets darker because there's a character called henrik who is a sort of head of the the vampires and the sense the vampires are building up to something and that's your arc for the story is henrik or herrick oh herrick sorry uh, how the characters are, are approaching that particularly mitchell who mitchell we we, we learn was a, a badass vampire and is kind of trying to be a bit of a better vampire and, and whether it goes back but the whole show has a, a very light whimsical kind of touched the dialogue and we have a, a clip here which we'll play because it gives you some idea of the type of characters and the, the sort of flow Orange mess of meats. Oh, thank you. Great. Keep the change. So, um, how long have you been delivering pizzas? A couple of months. Uh, and could you ride a moped before, or did they teach you? They taught us. We had to drive around around a car park. I bet you hate pizza. When you get home and your girlfriend's like, what do you want for tea? I bet you're like, not pizza! Oh, you live with my dad. Madness. See ya. He can see me. He could so see you. No! all the time now and not just with people like you but with normal people I was outside putting out the recycling and a van drove past and the guy shouted slag <laughs> so who wants tea? Ugh. what? you keep making tea every surface is covered with mugs of tea and coffee I go to make myself some tea and I can't there's no mugs there's no tea it's all been made and you can't even drink it you, know, you, you, you can't drink it but you keep making it <laughs> It's driving me insane! Oh, well, I like my routine. It makes me feel normal. You're a ghost! Yeah, okay. Are you finished with these? Okay. Oh, uh, you broke off then? Yeah, we've got work and then it's this time of the month. Oh, right. Tell you what, I won't miss that. (laughs) Used to have to curl up on the sofa, hot water bottle, pride and prejudice. Anyone says anything to me, I'll bite their head off. Gosh, I suppose in your case that, that is actually quite a possibility, isn't it? biting we'll see you later (laughs) and what I (laughs) what I like about uh, being human and and particularly that bit which is uh, one of the first scenes in the first episode is that uh, it really it it gets its subtext right uh, which is surprising from the writer of Gimme 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 uh, (laughs) that uh, she is so obviously upset about being a ghost uh but at the same time it's in her very nature to just be this uh perky young girl who uh, who tries to be perky all the time well i actually like, i i've say i love this show i absolutely love this show i'm getting that in before brett gets to talk because i'm getting i'm getting a vibe and i'm, I'm curious to know why but um i absolutely adored this and i, I adore that thing about the character's even the things that annoyed me about the characters, and, and she is, Annie is a very perky character at the beginning and, 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 and also a bit mopey. <laughs> you, you know, you're dead, get over it. But um, everything about them, the more episodes I watched, the more things unfolded in a way that I was completely convinced by. An episode, I think it's four, has this weird kind of child molestation subtext to it that's, I kind of thought, oh, that's a bit out of place for this series. And then at the end of it, I went, ah, no, I I perfectly see why you're doing that. I see why it had to be that particular subtext for the character to do the thing he needs to do next. And uh, I just, uh, the arc of this, because normally I find there's a bit of tradition in in television to to whack your story arc over the top, and it's quite clumsy. And this, everything that happens makes sense to lead to the next bit of the story. And yeah, I loved it. I loved the characters, and I loved, the whole show is, is, 
the being human thing is, of course, that they're not human, but it's also about determining what makes you human and what, what characteristics of your personality are the ones that are worth keeping. Well, and, and the, the thing with, uh, with Annie, who s- sticks out to me, I watched this quite a long time ago, and, uh, and still her character sticks out quite a lot, uh, is that it's very easy to believe that when she was alive, she would have also been this uh, very insecure, borderline manic depressive uh, character, uh, except that now she actually has things to be extraordinarily happy about and very upset about. There is a kind of implication, which I really like, that that you can be turned into a vampire, you can be turned into a werewolf, you can become a ghost, because also all three conditions are, are sort of forced upon our characters. It's not that they've actively gone looking to become these things. But it won't actually change who you are. You know, you, you effectively stay the same person. You just happen to have a weird supernatural kind of element now bolted onto your personality. But it's not changing who you are, and it's with all three of these characters. Because... Um, Particularly uh, Mitchell, the, the werewolf. Uh, so George, the werewolf, who's played by Russell Tovey, who's probably best known from um, the History Boys, uh, sort of feature film, doing quite a few feature films. He is this really uptight, quite religious, quite, you know, um, who, man who happens to be a werewolf. And it's, it's really interesting because part of his story is he doesn't want to be a werewolf. He, he doesn't accept being a werewolf. It's this other thing he keeps to one side. And that is actually also curious because being a series written by a gay man and a character being performed by a gay man, there's, there's a whole kind of other odd subtext going on there, even though the character is, is quite clearly heterosexual because his love life is an important plot. Something yeah. that really comes out uh, in, in the show is that, uh, you know, it, because it is, a, it is about, well, as if life isn't hard enough, try being undead. And having a life. Yeah, but it, yeah, the suggestion, though, is that, that that's not the entirety of why life is hard. You know, it's like, yeah, life is hard and you're a vampire. Yeah. You know. But, Brett, I know you, you are not, you're not a fan. Well, no, I, I, I have been a fan of the, the series as a whole. And, and we've, I've, you and I, John, have watched all six episodes of the series. Um, plus, plus the weird just, pilot thing, which we'll, we'll talk about in a moment. But he's so freaking wet. Like he's just wait, so wait, whiny who, and who? George, 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 the the werewolf, and and just yeah, unbelievably so. Like he's just too I... found him too emotional and too much of that whiny voice that we heard in that little sample there. It is interesting. I thought that Russell Tovey, because his, his normal speaking voice is completely different to to the voice he uses for George. I thought it was kind of interesting. He's, he's chosen a much more clipped, kind of button down way of speaking for his character, which which kind of obviously fits who the character is. But also his is the character who journeys the furthest in some ways and has the most extreme kind of story. I think it's the second episode really? where where another werewolf turns up and there's this kind of interesting thing about you know, what does it mean to be a werewolf in modern society? Uh, it's sort of thing between the two characters. And George is, of all the characters, George is, is uh, the one who doesn't accept being a werewolf. You know, Mitchell's aware that he's a vampire and what it means, and he's aware that she's a ghost and what it means. He's the one who... He but tries. she doesn't accept that. That's why she keeps on making tea. She's not happy about it, but yeah, but she's least aware of it. Whereas he keeps trying to, to keep it to one side, and it's almost like the, the, the whole show is, is kind of in some ways about him having to, to reconcile that. Which is kind of weird, because on, on top of this, you've got the whole vampire army rising up plot line. Yes, yeah. Which is sort of to to one side, but yeah, I, I well, it's, and, and that's interesting to to uh, talk about the, the writer creator uh, being a gay man writing this straight character who is 
by by his nature needs to be closeted. It, it is, uh, yeah. It but is, it is but obviously it's also, a- but it's also very much in denial. It, it reminds me a lot of that uh, the uh, the policeman in uh, you know saying the policeman in the shield, but the rookie cop in the first series of the shield, who uh, who is gay but is also very religious and. Uh, I think there just, is very much a werewolf pride kind of issue yeah. deliberately being used. The idea that, that George is going to have to come to terms with this eventually. Because his whole thing is, you know, he doesn't he doesn't want to change in the house. Um, they, they've been using a, a, a cell in the basement, basement of the hospital. In the hospital that's, yeah, that's um, and so on they a disused wing kind yeah, of thing. And they can't use it anymore because it's being turned into an IT section, which I thought was quite funny. But, um, yeah, and uh, it's interesting that's part of him going, oh, no, I can't do the house. I won't do this thing in the house. That's not me. That thing's not me. This is something else. And it's... But it, that's more about, like, there, there's nowhere in the house that he can really lock himself in where he'll be secure. Yeah, at one point he does have to do it. And, and, and so it's all about he doesn't want to kill anybody. No, but, yeah. I, but, it's, but it's also about bringing his true self home uh, when he's not ready to, to admit it as yet. Because when he meets Tully, who's the other the werewolf, Tully's kind of reveling in his werewolfism. Or at least it seems so at the beginning, and then we kind of find a bit more about him. But yeah, look, I was so impressed by by the way every episode kind of unfolded, and I really enjoyed the characters because I know Annie. I remember you were having a particular hard time with Annie. In a way that I think is kind of deliberate. I think you're meant to find her a bit wet at the beginning because her story has some unexpected moments, you know, of revelation. Well, yes, it, it turns around dramatically. And what something that I found really interesting about this show is that it didn't follow the, follow the rule of three for, for why we do um, watch three episodes. And so, uh, and and like it, it did it, take quite drastic turns as the episodes came up. How doesn't it follow the, because your, your, uh, your paradigm on the rule of three is that the first episode is uh, a pilot and largely exposition. The second episode is... Uh, no, first one's pilot, second one's exposition. And third, third one, one is running. the show that that we will see from. But that also, yeah. the rule three though does also follow, I think, more an American template because often yes, the pilot has been I made a long time before. I think given that it's half of the and season, might uh, be an issue. Because it is with the episode. I think it's episode four. Suddenly, the series takes a much darker turn. And in fact, the only thing I would like to I would like to have been longer because I would have liked a little bit more of the fluffiness with the three of them exploring themselves in the house at the beginning in order to make that dark turn because it is it is quite. Startling to 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 have made it even you know more drastic when you realise these characters are are possibly going to change. Episode five actually even leaves you not knowing which characters will be coming back for episode six, which I thought was a really really clever little moment to do that because even had the next week on and they'd cut it in a way that you still couldn't tell which characters would be coming back for episode six, and I was impressed by that. In some ways, I wish I knew beforehand that uh, you know I I think. Our listeners, uh, the ones who haven't already seen it, uh, are quite lucky knowing that uh, you know it, it does continue on and there is a reason for everything happening. In that second episode with, uh, with Annie and her boyfriend, uh, where I think it's the second episode, uh, I was just thinking, oh, this is such a stupid premise. Why are they doing this? this she's such a stupid character. She appears quite wet. And, yes. and yeah, but but it is it is but, for such an important reason that 
yeah, it's fair. And I don't want to obviously don't want to say too much because it, it, this is a show where we could spoil things. I think to a degree. I mean, mm. the show itself is, is very. It's very hard to talk about it. But, the, <laughs> but the, the point I'm getting at is uh, is there is a reason to stick with it, and uh, and. Because it'll be very different next week. That that said, though, I loved it from the beginning. I love the dialogue. I think it's really sprightly in this. Um, I love the the look of it. Bristol looks gorgeous. The locations in in Bristol. Yeah, I've been to Bristol. It's a dump. But, you know, (laughs) on telly, it looks lovely. A bit of colour grading to bring out the pinks. Yeah. yeah. I I should point out there's there's a, a really weird thing, too, which... Slightly less weird for me than it was for you guys. I watched the pilot like a year ago when it, when it aired. It's a I watched really the pilot just before I watched the episode, episode one. one. So this weird thing, they made a pilot in 2007. It aired at the beginning of 2008 in the UK on BBC Three. And it was fairly obviously being dumped from what I can tell. Um, it's not a standalone episode by any means because it ends on cliffhanger. It ends on, it, you know, establishes a series. And then a year later, and apparently it only happened because of um, a lot of press and internet kind of push to try and get a series because people loved the, the first episode so much. Yeah, and then so, they recast it. So a year later, yeah, they, they made <laughs> a series. Which was so annoying. Totally recast. Only Russell Tovey goes from episode one, uh, from the pilot to episode one. But also, you kind of, I think you need to watch the pilot because that the pilot is when they move into the flat together. Mm-hmm. Episode one... Uh, Starts with them already living together yep. and already having established the characters, except they're now totally recast and in some ways quite different characters. Yeah. Adrian Lester plays Herrick in the pilot, um, replaced by by a white guy, which, you know, that's fair enough. White guys can play black guys' roles too. I don't want to be racist. Mm-mm. But it is kind of funny to say, oh, there's Adrian Lester. He won't be back next week. You know, <laughs> I actually liked, I liked the recast uh, uh, characters. But again, I'd had such a gap between the pilot and watching the first episode, I think trying to watch them together would have been quite distracting. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I still haven't gone back and watched the pilot. So, right. uh, you know, I'm a clean slate on this and, one. And uh, the, the Annie character was a lot less annoying. She's a tougher point, character, I think, in the, in the pilot. Yeah. Well, that's uh, being human. Uh, do you know if the ABC have any... Uh, I haven't heard anything here. It is on DVD, uh, or about to come out on DVD, I believe, in the UK. So you, so you can, can always... Amazon.co.uk. Yeah. That's what I'd probably recommend. I think it's an excellent piece of work, and certainly much better than all the other UK um, supernatural or science fiction stuff we have reviewed in the past. And also, by the time I got to the end of episode six, there's another twist going okay. into the next series. Demons. John. Please, yeah. come on. Yeah, it's better than demons. Wow. I know, crazy, crazy wow. idea there. Are you one of those that follows the Andy's family? Andy's putting coke into their house. I'll let you talk as much as I want. Got the sly look, sly look, sly look. Hello, this is Ricardo Montalban. Get me a jury and show me how you can say hinge your lie. Go down on you. Brett Cropley. There's a woman standing out the front of a bit of a shabby-looking house with her uh, hubby doing some work in the garden, and uh, she's talking to us through the camera. Yeah, we're all cutting back a bit at the moment. Tim's doing some extra work around the house, and we're getting Foxtel. You know, we're staying in, saving on going out, and you get great movies and kids' channels. It means we're home together more, supporting our team. It's good thinking. So she's saving money by spending money. Yes. 
I, 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 I do not buy that's, it. What, that's, what, that's a false economy. Buy it, I yeah. do not. What bit are you not buying? I, I, I've also seen that ad, and yeah, every time it's like, what? It's like, we're piling up money in the backyard and setting it on fire so we can watch it with the kids. <laughs> that's like saving money in some way. <laughs> um, and of, of course, in the ad, uh, the small print, uh, they, it, it does give some costings. Minimum cost on direct debit, $616 if you call in the first month to switch to get to the get started. Uh, which I assume is like the most basic plan that you could possibly have. Oh, I think so. They've also continued that that whole campaign, though. If you go into things like, uh, well, eBay, I've seen this. There's these ads going, um, cut your own hair or get Foxtel. The idea being that, you know, the getting Foxtel is mm-hmm. automatically, oh, well, obviously I could save money by getting Foxtel. What? And how, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't actually Weirdly make sense. Enough, I do cut my own hair, though, so it's kind of odd. Well, what are you doing with that foxtail? I know, and I feel okay. crazy. I, I made the wrong choice. I actually, because uh, cause, you know, I I have the foxtail at home, and I've said to my dad uh, on a number of occasions when he says, "What what are you doing tonight?" I say, "I'm staying home and watching television." He goes, well, "Why do you keep doing that?" And uh, because You're paying hundreds, of it, it's because every minute that I'm not watching television, I'm <laughs> wasting money. <laughs> It's like the Foxtel man is just there pulling notes out of your, out of your wallet. Yeah. 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 So I really need to spend as much time as possible watching television in order to make it economically viable. Because that's like the Foxtel man is, is shoving notes into the front of your... <laughs> <laughs> Slipping them under the door. Yeah. 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 That's, that's yeah. exactly what it's like. Yeah. No, it's, it's complete and utter madness. And I mean, obviously, they're, they're aiming this at uh, your lower demographics. Uh, which I, I think is is somewhat spurious. Are and, you saying common people? And, is that what you're trying? A little bit away from from uh, the most ethical behaviour. Hey, they're not doing it on credit, so you know it could be worse. You can't do it on credit. I'm sure you could do it on credit. Oh, you can you can pay for it on your credit card, but Foxtel aren't uh, aren't allowing you to purchase Foxtel <laughs> if you can't afford it on on credit, like through a GE money kind of loan scheme uh, they're not saying uh, no repayments until 2012 yeah for example yeah i i just keep on wanting less and less to to see foxtel around at all and i don't buy it why don't you just live in russia Just quickly. I'm oh, sorry, go on. Every week you make me listen to Kevin Costner. That's weird. Yeah, it wasn't me. Okay, go on. It's a good film. It is. It's a good film. Have you seen it? I've tried to watch it quite a few times. I've never got to the end. I like I it. I believe some mail gets delivered. Anyway, go on. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and, uh, and so... Uh, we had a couple of texts sent to us at zero four five eight. Doctor Butt Cutter. No, Butt Doctor. <laughs> I should never leave ever again. Zero four five eight Cutter. Uh, you can uh, send us a text to that as well. One was from. Uh, well, I say one. It was actually two. Uh, from Alex Box Cutter. Because uh, it went, oh, it was more than 160 characters, so it yes. went over. Holy shit! I love One HD. Finally, sport an Oz TV that isn't the standard footy or cricket. Bull riding, drift racing, <laughs> rally. What's next? Bull rally drifting in HD. Awesome. 
Alex Box Cutter. And uh, another one that came from uh, Box Cutter Dan. Uh, How smart is the government? They pay for ad space for their Are You Ready for Digital campaign on what channel? 1HD. Are you fucking kidding me? Dan. Well, I guess they want a positive outcome. Yeah. Are you ready for digital? Yeah, I've got it already. Yeah, I've got it, got it already. <laughs> 100% <very> success rate. <laughs> Thanks very much. So that's uh, letters to box cutters. You can send us your letters to hooray at boxcutters.net. Click on the talk to box cutters link at the top of the page at boxcutters.net or send us a text to 0458 cutter. Okay, question three. Which yeah, canal? All these going to be about war. No, I got loads of. I got one on tennis. One on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Box it's the return of the box cutters quiz. Thanks very much to Crumpler, who are our giveaway sponsors. This mm. week's quiz question, which mm. you can win by sending the correct answer to hooray at boxcutters.net. By email or clicking on the talk to us link. Uh, I, I don't think texting the answer necessarily works because it's very hard to get back in touch. Nobody ever puts their name at the end of it. I know. And then you mystery. go, well, you know, you could have won, but you didn't put your name at the end of it. Mm. Except Alex and Dan did both put their names at the uh, at the end of it. Yes, well, veteran Yeah, they, they, they know what's going on. My. So, this week's question is based on my recent travels. <laughs> Mm. Oh yeah, I went to the land of television. Have I mentioned that? The land it, it, I of think television. It turned up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was in San Francisco this time last week, and uh, one of the great shows of many that were set in San Francisco was, of course, Sliders. Yeah, <laughs> Streets of San Francisco. Streets of San Francisco. That was my next guess. Three's no. Company. Eli Stone. Oh. Actually, uh, two John, John Ritter shows were set in San Francisco, Three's Company and Hooperman. Uh, but this one is uh, Hooperman, which was excellent and heavily underrated, I think. Uh, the, uh, the title credits of Three's Company heavily feature a street with a wonderful view in San Francisco. I want the name of the street. There is a street in San Francisco heavily featured in the opening to the John Ritter sitcom mm. Three's Company. Can you give me the answer? What is the name of that street? You will win a uh, we, something wonderful from Crumpler. <laughs> Brett? What, what are they playing for? Do we know? Do we know what the? Uh, oh. I'll just hold it up to the camera. There. There's no it's camera. The uh, the chumpy. What's oh, a chumpy? It's a chumpy. Okay. You Crumpler can carve what? it. You could, you could probably fit a whole chicken breast in. Um, it's been a while since the, the chicken comparison. I've, I've, a, I, think, I think you could fit a, a, a chicken sandwich in it. Uh, you a, could, a half a chicken parma. Yeah, you could, you could use you cut it. cut the crusts off. It's great for carrying around chicken parma and not getting the grease on your hands. Oh, it's a good thing. It's, it's fantastic. It's like a little wallet. But then you'd have a greasy wallet. Sure, but, but your it, hands clean for shaking. And every chicken palmer, tastier, tastier, tastier. It's quite a small go. chicken palmer. Half go. chicken palmer. Oh, no, no, you just, you just so use half. that for gripping the chicken palmer. Oh. And the rest of it can, can hang out. You eat around it. 
Okay. It's like a taco for a chicken parm. <laughs> it's, it's, it is weird how many chicken-related products the good people at Crumbler make, isn't it? I know. I know. It's fantastic. Uh, so you can win that by so emailing on the back me. of a postcard, uh, random street names from San Francisco. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this particular street that is featured in the opening You'll credits. You'll get it eventually, I'm of, sure. Uh, and I'll give you a clue. I was on that street. <laughs> I'll give you a clue. Google. Yeah, I don't even know if Google will do it. I reckon it will. I haven't tested it. We'll have to see. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. A little bit of errata. Before, uh, before your hand up, Brett? Uh, just a correction. You may remember at the beginning of the show I said that Australia's third biggest commercial television broadcaster... Oh, Channel 10. That's They're Channel in financial 10. trouble. They are. I said it's they, great to hear more news about that. I said they made a, a loss of $79.68 million last year. That is obviously crazy. I do apologise. That's nuts. Uh, they made a loss of $79.68 million in the last six months uh, to February uh, 28. That's a lot more responsible. That's a lot more responsible. So, yes, I, I said that was for a whole year. In fact, that will only buy you... Well, thanks, John. I, uh, I I was wondering how I was going to get all the way through till next week before That's hearing right, more about some more, uh, yeah, some more Channel, Channel 10. 10's yeah. travails. Um, uh, hey, we've seen it with the uh, the chaser. Maybe not in your day, uh, John, but um, Charlie Pickering's now ripping me off, ripping off box cutters. What, what do you mean? Did you see uh, Rove while, while we were in the I studio? Did, I, I did actually last week. <laughs> Um, he he was out there uh, showing showing my I don't buy it from a number of weeks ago with the unfunniest laugh in Australian TV ever ad the dead <laughs> terrorist yes yeah exactly and uh, general mobile phone ads uh, no, mobile ads mobile services now yeah you know, to play devil's advocate here Brett it could just be a coincidence no okay <laughs> but yes I did say it and I thought of you and and I I, I wept a single tear Charlie Pickering God. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's that's terrible. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode one hundred and seventy six. I want to say thanks very much to Lee and Shannon from the Bazura Project. Why are you looking at me like I'm the oh. devil? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't mention this earlier. Another I don't buy it that I did with Kerry Armstrong you talking, talking about, about how Kerry great Armstrong. Uh, Coke was. Coca Cola have been forced to uh, make an apology and actually uh, spell out exactly how much sugar content is in Coke and how much damage it can do to teeth. And caffeine, because uh, they ran a print campaign with Armstrong claiming that, that it made you fly and um, travel through time. <laughs> no, no, she claimed that it didn't make you fat, it didn't rot your teeth, it didn't have large amounts of caffeine. But these were all myths. And uh, my favourite line from the ad was, uh, now that I've found out what's myth and what isn't, it's good to know that our family can continue to enjoy one of our favourite drinks. My boys now call me Mum the Mythbuster. I'm lying about everything! <laughs> 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 That's the best Gary Armstrong impersonation you're ever going to hear. Thanks very much to Lee and Shannon for coming in. Uh, they're from the Bazura Project. You can find Yay! them on the web at bazuraproject.com. Of course, there's a link to that on the blog. Thanks also to Crumpler, our giveaway sponsors, uh, for providing us with giveaways for you, the listener, for our quiz. 
Thanks to 3RRR, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week. You can find them on the web at rrr.org.au. And Brett? 102.7 on the FM band in Melbourne and surrounds. And April is April Amnesty at Triple uh, R. There's a bunch of prizes. Check out uh, the online section of the internet for Triple R. That's a poorly worded that's, sentence. That's terrible. Um, for uh, all the fantastic prizes you can go into if you subscribe before the end of April. Yeah, for Triple R it's April Amnesty, but for box cutters it's still April Enmity. Uh, Did I say that? <laughs> no, you said Amnesty. E- <laughs> and uh, and just reminded me of that. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That's it. Mm. That's all I'm mm. saying. Mm. I think uh, you're giving me some April Enmity. Enmity. Yeah, if you want to email us, you can hooray at boxcutters.net or send us a text to 0458 Cutter. Until next week, if you enjoyed this show, <laughs> please go into the iTunes Music Store and write a review of Box Cutters. It will help other people find this podcast and they can enjoy it as well. Or any of those Enmity forums you're on. Check yeah. a link up Love there. Them. And so until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Kerry Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time. Same bad channel. Maybe a little bit earlier. And hey, let's be careful out there. <laughs> <laughs>